0: Thank you for joining us today. This is week four of our relationship series. And um, the relationship series is called Real Relationships. This is a a place where we go, it's time to get real. Hey, anyone can show their highlight reel of their relationships. It's easy to make an Instagram reel and make it look like you've got relationships dialed. But in this series, we're going behind the scenes. We're talking about the parts of relationships that aren't so easy. And I'm gonna share a lot of my story today, um, and I think it's gonna help a lot of people, and so let's pray, and we'll get into it. Father, we love you so much. I thank you for this place. I thank you for this space. Be here with us now, we pray in Jesus' name, and everyone said. Amen. And then you guys take a seat. Well, I woke up this morning, and the first thing I did was laugh, because I realized Um, I'm about to speak in a relationship series, and like I've never really been in a relationship. What are we we doing here, right? Because if you don't know, I'm I'm 33, and I've been single for about 32.8 of those 33 (laughs) years. Um, A relationship has never really been a a big desire of mine. I've always felt um, really confident just by myself and really secure in my singleness. Now, that statement I just made is called a partially complete truth. <laughs> because it's true partially, like most of the time that's very true, right? But then there, like anybody else, there are moments where I start to ask myself questions. There are moments where I start to, to wonder if, um, if I'm, I need to, be, to rethink the way that I think about this. And um, I'm sure I'm not alone in this room. All we have to do is go right back to Genesis 1, and um, in Genesis one, God says, go be fruitful and multiply. Like there's something in every human being that uh, longs for and wants to leave a legacy, right? And, and fill the earth and subdue it. And so there's a myriad of reasons why that doesn't happen for different people. Um, but for, for me, that's left me asking a lot of existential questions. Um, I'm sure there's there's people watching who are are asking very similar questions as well and then you go to to Genesis 2 and and you read God say hey it's not good for man to be alone and and you think about it a little bit and you go that's so true isn't it like like marriage is God's idea it's his Plan and it's a beautiful thing. Um, and by the way, I'm a huge fan of marriage. I'm going to a wedding in a couple of hours. I think it's a, a great thing to, to celebrate. Um, it just hasn't been um, a desire of mine and a part of, of my story. But it makes you wonder sometimes because it, like loneliness, is a real thing. And so I set out to write a singleness talk. Then very quickly, that singleness talk turned into a talk about loneliness. And um, I realized that, that lots of the single people I meet with are lonely. But then lots of the people I meet with who are in relationships feel lonely as well. Like loneliness is a human problem and we need to talk about it. And so this is a sermon uh, about loneliness. If you've ever felt alone, if you've ever had a night where you're looking around going, man, I, I just feel like I am on an island and nobody understands, then this message is for you. Here's the really good news. The Bible has a lot to say uh, about this. So our passage today, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Potentially the most important passage in all of scripture, I say that a lot, but I mean it this time. Uh, Matthew 28 is when Jesus has just gone to the cross and then three days later rose again, defeated sin and death, and then he gathers his disciples together and he gives them a commission. We call this the Great Commission because it's the same commission that all of us who follow Jesus, uh, like, this is what we are supposed to do. This is how we're supposed to live our lives. Jesus says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority, everyone say, All authority authority. in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So, by the way, um, we here at Red Rocks believe that when Jesus said all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me, he was serious. It's not uh, some of the authority has been given to Jesus. Uh, we don't meet here to worship like a good teacher or a, a nice guy. We, we gather here to worship Jesus, who we believe is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and all authority has been given to Jesus. Therefore, verse 19 says, it's an important therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations. So this is our our part to play in the story. Since Jesus has been given all authority, our job is to make disciples. Now, leave that up for a sec. That's, uh, let's, let's break down this language. Jesus was a rabbi, so he was a teacher, and he had disciples or students. And Jesus taught his disciples, his students, like how to live. and the way that they should talk and, and um, how they should live a authentic and a humble and a generous life, right? And then in Matthew 28, he turns it on them and he says, now it's your turn to take what I just did for you and do that for the entire world. Go and make disciples of all nations. Hey, this is why we say at Red Rocks, we exist to make heaven more crowded. We exist to tell as many people as we can about Jesus and show them and teach them how to live like Jesus. Jesus gave us a commission that will keep us busy for the rest of our lives, and then he says, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, which we will be doing in May, uh, and some of you, maybe it's time for you to get baptized in verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Now, at this point, it sure seems like Jesus is asking a lot of us, and He is. It's a steep request to go make disciples of all nations, but the way that He ends it is the verse that I really want to dial in on today, because Jesus goes, "I'm giving you a, a, a great commission, but don't worry, because Matthew 28:20 20 says, "Surely I'm with you always to the very end." of the age. You gotta let this truth, Matthew 28, 20, sink from your head to your heart today. Jesus promised us that he will always be with us, and so loneliness is a real thing, but here's the really good news. The truth is, the title of my message, You're Actually Never Alone. Actually, it's not in the title. The title of my message is You're Never Alone. Now, if you are smart in here, you're thinking, well, yeah, but Jesus said you're never, or, or, or I will always be with you, and then like, he ascended into heaven. Like, what's the deal? Jesus is like, yeah, I'm, I'm with you guys always, but I gotta head out, you know? Like that, that friend who doesn't really wanna be at the party, is like, it's so good hanging out with you guys, so good, I love you guys, we'll catch you later. Is that what Jesus is doing? No. Right, and if you keep reading through the gospels, you get to the book of Acts, and in Acts chapter two, we get this really important passage, which by the way, um, in a few weeks, we're going to break this whole thing down, so I'm gonna fly through it here, um, but, but don't worry. We'll, we'll get back to it. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And then here we go. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I know there's a lot to unpack there. Don't worry about all of that today, what I wanna show you is that Acts 2 is Jesus keeping saying good on his promise that he'll always be with us through the the Holy Spirit, which now, um, as followers of Jesus, the Bible says, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit. Don't take my word for it, 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says it like this, do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, see? who is in you, whom you have received from God. You are not your own, you were bought at a price. So according to to scripture, the spirit of the living God actually lives within us. And that means Romans 8, Paul says it like this, in all these things, you you are more than a conqueror through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life Hey, would you let the truth of Romans eight sink into your heart today? Ladies at God Behind Bars, would you let this gospel truth sink into your heart? Neither angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. The truth is, we are never alone. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. So my thesis today, as we talk about loneliness, is simply this. Jesus reminded us, I am always with you, which means you're never alone. So what I thought would be fun is um, if we took this truth and started applying it to a lot of the awkward situations that single people tend to get put in. Because if we can walk through those uncomfortable situations and take a look at how we respond when we don't get this, as opposed to how we respond when we do get this, then we'll be able to walk out of here and, and um, have a whole lot more confidence and boldness, not in ourselves, but boldness from above. Because here's the deal. When you understand Matthew twenty-eight twenty. I'm sorry, when you don't understand Matthew 28, 20, you tend to live from a a place of scarcity, like a scarcity mentality. I was talking to my, my dear friend, Rebecca, this week, and I was telling her about the talk, and she said, hey, speaking of loneliness, you are talking to the greatest fear that human beings experience. One of the greatest fears that human beings experience is that they're going to be alone. And so... Uh, that like when we, when we feel like we're alone and we don't understand that Jesus is always with us, we tend to operate from a place of scarcity. However, when we understand it, like when, if you can walk out of here knowing that God is with you everywhere you go, then you can actually um, respond and move forward from a place of not scarcity, but security. You'll, you'll get it as we, we go. So single people, Let's chat for a second. Let's start with that holiday dinner with your extended family, shall we? Like going, going to talk with some extended family for Christmas. The single people just had a, a nervous laugh, just kind of like hovered over. And I'll tell you why. It's because we know as single people that we're going to get asked like five to 10 times about our romantic life. And so five to 10 times, we're going to have to say over and over again, no, I'm not dating anyone, Aunt Sally, right? Now, when we're operating from a place of scarcity, here's what happens. We hear that question as a personal attack because we already know that we're alone and we feel lonely, and now we just feel like they're just like heaping the shame on us. And so it feels like they're coming after us. But when we can make a a mental shift and start uh, that that meal with meditating on Matthew 28, 20, Jesus saying, hey, I'm always with you, so you're never alone. Then all of a sudden we can walk into that dinner from a place of security, and when you do, you'll recognize what that question really is. A loving, well-intentioned, Question birthed out of curiosity by a relative who cares about you. Like single people, we gotta get this. That's what it is. It's like small talk 101, right? But, but we hear it like, like, like it's this like venom filled question, a personal attack on who we are when we operate from a place of scarcity. Here's what Aunt Sally is doing. She's trying to hit the ball over the net and hoping that I'll return it, right? I don't have an Aunt Sally, by the way. I don't know why I've been saying Aunt Sally all, all day, right? But, but she'll, she asked me that question, and then when I'm operating from a place of scarcity, what I do is I, I just go, no. And I just, I just let the ball just pass me right by, right? And then Aunt Sally has to be like, okay, great. Uh, how's the weather? <laughs> you know, like, can you pass the potatoes? She's trying to have a conversation. Right, okay, but, but single people, let's be real for a second. The reason we don't like that question is because we feel like it's always going to be a conversation ender. Like, like we want the conversation to flow naturally, but we don't want people to ask us that because the only response we can think of is no. But when you can move from the scarcity mentality to the, the, the secure place, you can actually turn that conversation ender into a conversation starter here's how I do it, and you'll have to um, conceptualize it for your own personal life, but when I get asked that question, I go, no, I've actually, um, I've been single for for 33 years, and I've actually been a single pastor for the last 10 years, I know it's kind of a unique calling, but it actually opens up the door for all sorts of interesting conversations and pastoral meetings that I get to have with a lot of people, and so I love that about myself. Do you see what I just did? I hit the ball back across the net. Now, Aunt Sally has 10 interesting questions that she can ask me in response and we're off to the races, right? And so single people, if we can learn how to approach family dinners from a place of security, we can actually turn conversation enders into conversation starters. And we can realize that our relatives are are just there cheering for us, wanting to have uh, conversations about what's going on in our lives, this changes everything, man. It seems like a small shift, but it, it, it actually changes everything when you start to get it. Uh, let's 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 go for another one. Let's talk about every social gathering that you could ever walk into. Is that a broad enough example? Every social event that you could ever walk into. When you operate from a place of scarcity, meaning I'm all alone and I am so terrified of remaining alone, then the the social gathering becomes this opportunity for you to be like, okay, I need to impress, I need to make them laugh, I need to make them cry, I need to make sure they remember me, and I need to get a call back. What does that sound like? Sounds like a struggling actor trying to land a role in an audition. I I have some actor friends and they they always tell me that, a complete day of auditioning is one of the most exhausting days you could ever have. And I go, like, of course that's true because you just spent the entire day pretending to be someone you're not. Now, I wonder if the reason so many of us are so tired all the time is because we spend all day pretending to be someone we're not. I wonder if it's because we feel like we have to audition in every room that that we step foot in. And what if we could allow Matthew 28 20 to to actually become a part of, of who we are and realize hey, Jesus is always with me and so I'm never alone. All of a sudden when you walk into a room, you stop auditioning and you start contributing. Scarcity, the audition, when you walk into the room, you go, here I am. When you're operating from a place of of contributing, from a place of, of security, you walk into the room going, there you are. You walk into the room going, hey, I bet there's somebody who could use some encouragement today. Hey, I bet there's somebody who's going through a lot right now. I bet you I could find somebody and ask them a, a really great question and then just be a safe space for them to, to process what's going on in their life. I do this, I'll, I'll sit in my car before a party or an event or whatever, and I will, to myself, meditate on Matthew 28, 20. Jesus' words, I am always with you. So I remind myself I'm not alone. And then from that place of security, I step into the social event. It changes everything. It happened to me this morning. I pulled my car over in the parking lot like, who am I? Why why would I preach a sermon in the relationship series? What are we doing? I'm gonna call Doug, you know? I am always with you. You are never alone. All of a sudden it shifts in my mind and I realize, oh, uh, I bet you there's some people who are going to be showing up today who feel pretty lonely. So it's, it's not, Man, I hope they like me. I hope I get some compliments. I hope I get a call back. No, it's, hey, I, I, I bet you there's someone that needs some love, that needs some encouragement, and so I'm gonna go in there and, and speak this gospel truth that I feel like God has placed in my heart. You see that shift, moving from scarcity to security. Single people. This is important for everyone. This is so important for us as as single people, moving from scarcity to security. Because here's the deal. You know what I'm tired of? I'm tired of singleness being synonymous with selfishness. Especially when the most selfless human who ever lived was single. His name was Jesus. He spent his entire life laying down his preferences for the people in his life. He ultimately laid down his life so that you could go free. We're talking wild, unrivaled sacrifice. And he did it all as a single person. So so don't you tell me that marriage is a prerequisite for learning how to love people. Marriage isn't a prerequisite for learning how to serve people. We just need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Married people in the room, you have a spouse in your life reminding you every day that life isn't about you. And it's a gift. Parents in the room, may not feel like it sometimes, but it's a gift. Parents in the room, you have kids reminding you all the time that life isn't about you. If you're single and you don't have kids, you don't have those two things in your life reminding you that it's all about you. And so if we're not careful, we go down this dark cycle where we start to feel like it's all about us. And what I'm here to say is you just don't have to go that way. You can get your eyes on Jesus and open up Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and read about this man who was single and yet was completely selfless laid down his life for all of us, and then you could go, I'm a disciple of Jesus who is on this earth to go make other disciples, and so I actually have an, an infinite amount of purpose for the rest of my life, so I may be single, but I'm going to live on mission. So what if we change the way that single people are perceived in our culture, from selfish to selfless? That's what I wanna see, man, but, but, but here's, here's how we have to do it. Um, we have to move from, from a place of scarcity to a place of security. Um, it, it's like, think about community. Um, because by the way, you may be single, but you're not alone. And you may be single, but you're not supposed to be alone. You're not supposed to be isolated. You need to have friends around you. But, but, but Christian community is kind of challenging, isn't it? Oh, am I the only one who feels that way? You guys are allowed to like respond back. Everyone loosen up a little bit. Um, Being in community is a challenge. Um, There's a a philosopher from the 19th century, a German guy named Arthur Schopenhauer. And he compared us to porcupines. Because he goes, so so porcupines get cold in the wintertime and so they have to gather together for warmth. But as soon as they gather together, what happens? They hit each other, right? They hurt each other. And so then they start to separate again. But then they get cold. So they come back together. And then they get hurt. And then they separate. And then they get cold. And I go, that dilemma, that's so, that is is human beings. This is us. Great idea for a show. <laughs> Let's just read what Arthur says. The colder it gets outside, the more we huddle together for warmth. But the closer we get to one another, the more we hurt one another with our sharp quills. And in the lonely night of earth's winter, eventually we begin to drift apart and wander out on our own and freeze to death in our own loneliness. Someone give Arthur a hug. Don't get too close though. Just maybe an air five. So funny reading that cuz I'm like the way I'm just wired and what I believe, I always end on hope, (laughs) you know? Like I start with the dark place and then then move to the hope. But sometimes those philosophers, they just, I don't know, they end end in the dark place. It just just doesn't seem right, because I read that and I go, yes, Arthur, I agree, but it doesn't have to be that way. We can actually decide to be close to one another. It's just that we're going to have to get used to getting stung every once in a while. We're going to have to get used to apologizing to each other every once in a while and giving each other the benefit of the doubt and and working through conflict instead of running away from it. But here's the deal. When you operate from a place of scarcity, feeling like you're all alone, it's really hard to look at conflict and see it as an opportunity for deeper connection. And instead we just run away from it at all costs. But when we start from Jesus is always with me. I'm never alone. Then all of a sudden, this situation that you're going through with your friends right now, the conflict is actually an opportunity for connection. Connection that can lead ultimately to the contentment that you are looking for. We gotta start from a place of security. Jesus is always with us. Because we need community. By the way, uh um, Married people, this is true about you guys as, as well. Like, like we have to have community in our lives. So I'll tell you a, an example that's like a tale as old as time for me. I've had a front row seat to this for years and years and years is we'll have a great group of friends and then one of them will get into a really serious relationship and they will fall off the face of the earth for like months. Won't hear anything from them. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, we'll get this like really aggressive text. Like, what are we doing? We need to be hanging out more. You know what we need? We need a guys' night. No wives, no kids, just guys. Guys' night. And we'll respond like, oh, we've, we've been hanging out. <laughs> You're the only one who, <laughs> but okay. You know, like, And then the waiter comes around and, and the friend is like, Yeah, no, so it's a guy's night, so we'll do like wings and burgers, right, guys? Guy's night. (laughs) And at some point, I'll just look at him like, hey, you doing okay, man? It was, this is just another Tuesday for me, so I'm gonna get a salad. I hope that doesn't ruin your guy's night, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And that person is always like a, a great dad and a great husband who loves his family and wouldn't trade it for anything. But there is something to the masculine heart that needs to be around other guys sometimes. Ladies, the same thing is true for you. And so I'm about to give some marriage advice, which like, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm the last guy who should ever be giving marriage advice. You have full permission to tune me out or listen to me so you can make fun of me on the drive home. That's fine, but here we go. Don't just, like spouses, don't just let each other have those times. Encourage each other to have those times. I did pretty good. I got an applause for my very first marriage lesson I ever gave. It was pretty good. Like, not all the time. If it's happening all the time, that's a whole different problem. But sometimes, it's important, man, if, if, especially if guys don't get that time, then something gets weird and they end up saying things like, guys night all the time, you know? And it's just, I don't know. <laughs> all right, let's do one more. Let's talk about uh, listening. Because when we learn how to move from scarcity to security, it changes the way we listen. Jesus' brother, James, says it like this, James 1, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. So those who follow Jesus, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to to become angry. Apparently, the longer you follow Jesus, the less you talk, and the more you just learn to listen. But when we're operating from a place of scarcity, what ends up happening is we just listen to respond. Because again, remember, we want to impress them, so we'll get the call back. So we're in an audition, and so our friend is pouring out their heart to us, and meanwhile, we're just going, Oh, I know what story I'm gonna go with next. Oh, I know a, a, a funny thing that I'm going to tell them to lighten the mood. Oh, I know a, a Bible, the perfect Bible verse to give them and this is going to change everything about them. And you can always tell when this is happening because per, one person is talking and then whenever there's like a breath or like a moment of silence, the other person's like trying to jump in, you know? Like a dog who's just like waiting for the door to open so they can just sprint down the street. And so you'll be like pouring your heart out to your friend and they'll just be like oh. It's a place of scarcity, man. If we can start from hey, I have no one to impress. Jesus is always with me. I'm never alone. Then suddenly what can start to happen is we can sit there and be a fellow human being with another human being who's going through something and just be an ear to help them process whatever's happening. Or as Paul says in Galatians two, we can bear one another's burdens with each other. I'm telling you, man, if we can fix our listening problem, we will fix our loneliness problem. Because what people really need are friends who will listen. Life is hard, we go through so much There's so much to to process. Learn how to be someone who is attentive and ready to listen, but it starts from realizing that you, it starts from being in a place of security instead of scarcity. Years ago, I was um, a pastor at a great church in California, and I would spend half of my week with young adults, and then the other half of my week with, um, with mostly men, but some women who were a part of the baby boomer generation, and so um, I would see, every time I was with the young adults, I would just see untapped potential. And then when I was with the baby boomers, I would see all of this wisdom. And I always felt like, man, if we could just build a bridge between these two, like how great would that be? And so I decided to, to start a mentoring ministry. And I asked the young adults if they'd be up for it, and they go, yeah, we would love that. And then I asked the, the baby boomers if they'd be down to, to be mentors, and they said, I think, but I'm scared. And they they asked me, they said, would you teach us how to talk to your generation? Which by the way, is a phenomenal question. So I said, absolutely. And we would get together on Tuesday nights and very first thing I taught them was James 1.19. Be slow to speak, quick to listen. Slow to speak, quick to listen. What I told them is, don't just listen to respond. And then I gave them homework. I said, okay, this week, You're gonna go buy your mentee coffee. They're gonna try to pay for it, they can't afford it. Buy it for them. (laughs) And you're gonna go with a list of 10 questions. And you're gonna sit there and just ask them the first question, and then you're gonna listen. And right when it's like welling up in you and you feel like it's time to respond, you're gonna move to your next question, and your next question, and your next question and you're not going to listen to respond, you're just going to listen to be a fellow human being. And they did it. They they came back the next Tuesday, and they were like, it was so tough, it was so difficult, but it was such a good exercise. You know, they'd be like, sitting there over coffee, just like, "Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm, 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 don't quit that job until you have another one lined up, you know, or whatever, like "Mm -hmm." (laughs) mm-hmm. (laughs) And like, of course, that's phenomenal wisdom and phenomenal advice. So the challenge is, do you love them enough to build out a relationship where the, the soil is healthy enough that that seed that you plant will actually be heard? That's what it looks like to live from a place of security. That's how it, that's what it looks like. Like, like watch Jesus listen to, go read Jesus's life. He just knew who he was. And so like he wasn't afraid when when people would try to throw stones at him. He wasn't afraid when people would try to put him to the test. He wasn't, he was never like trying to fight back against what people were doing when they were trying to, to go after his reputation. He just sat and he loved the person that he was talking to enough to actually listen to them single, dating, engaged, or married, what if we moved from scarcity to security? How do you do it? Over and over again, meditating on this truth, Jesus is always with us, so we're never alone. There's a guy named Dallas Willard who is like the spiritual formation Yoda for a lot of us, Um, just phenomenal guy, He he was a professor at USC, passed away 10 years ago. And there's um, this old story about Dallas that he uh, got to the end of a lecture and there was a hand that was raised from the back. 21 year old kid who just had it out for Dallas. And he spends the next three minutes just trying to pull the rug out from underneath Dallas, trying to, to show him why everything he just said in his lecture wasn't true and then going after Dallas personally, taking personal shots at him, like trying to start a fight in front of this entire lecture, lecture hall. By the way, Dallas is one of the most brilliant minds from the last 100 years. Like it wouldn't have gone well for this kid, right? And as the story goes, Dallas stands there and he listens. And when the kid finishes his rant, Dallas says, Thanks for your your thoughts. That seems like a good place to wrap things up today. We'll pick it up again next week. Class dismissed. And uh, somebody came up to Dallas and goes, hey, that kid was asking for it. Why didn't you put him in his place? Why didn't you teach him a lesson? And Dallas said, I'm practicing not having the last say. Just leave that there. That's the fruit of someone who spent decades meditating on this truth that Jesus is always with us. So we're not alone. And fruit's the right word, isn't it? It's not a switch. Man, I wish it was. It takes time. Paul says it like this, Galatians 5. says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. My goodness, if you feel lonely in this place, listen to 2 Galatians five twenty-two. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All of the things that we're all so desperate for. But the work of the Spirit is the long gradual walk in the right direction. This past week I was uh, at my friend, Sam's farm, family farm and we went on a run on Thursday evening and we ran past the orange grove and the apple tree and the lemon trees all the way up this hill. And I was exhausted about to pass out, but we just kept passing tree or avocado tree after avocado tree, after avocado tree, after avocado tree. And all of them were overflowing with avocados just more avocados than they knew what to do with. And as we were walking back down the the mountain, Sam goes, "Um, yeah, my my grandpa planted all these trees back in the year 2000. And I thought, that's it. That's what I'm trying to communicate this weekend. Like he didn't plant that seed back in 2000 and then wake up the next morning like, I need my avocado toast. Where are the avocados? No, he just kept watering, making sure they had sunlight, cutting back the branches that aren't supposed to be there. And now 23 years later, they have an overflowing amount of fruit that they don't even know what to do with. I took another suitcase and just stuffed it full of avocados. The TSA agent must've been like, what is is this? It's just a bag of avocados? (laughs) So it is with those who walk in step with the spirit. You may not see the change happen today, but if you keep going one day, one hour, one breath at a time, you will start to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. You will start to see the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control start to overflow out of your life. Around that same time that Sam's grandpa planted those those avocado trees, God was working in the heart of Sean Johnson and Scott Brugman and Chad Brugman and Brian Zabell and a few others saying, hey, what if, what, if, what if you planted a church and called it Red Rocks? They didn't know what they were doing, but they tried. And then some people started getting saved and then some more people started getting saved and they just kept going and going and going. And then in 2016, we found our, ourselves at a place where we had so much surplus that we realized, hey, it's time to multiply. And then we, the next thing we said is how about Austin, Texas? I don't know, feels good to me. And so, so we show up here in 2019, we just start taking step after step after step. And I'm telling you, <laughs> we were at a shared workspace down the street. Hey, there were some Sundays, Like I remember one where I I stood up to do the rally for the volunteers beforehand and there was like 10 people in the room. And then this guy walked through the door and we made eye contact and he looked at me like, oh, sorry, I thought this was a church. And I had to be like, no, 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 this is like what we've given our entire lives to building. Like this is it, welcome, come on in, right? And then 2020 happens and I'm like standing right here talking to that camera and like Doug and Ethan are here and nobody else. And I'm like, I don't know, is anybody even listening to this? What is happening? But we kept taking steps, step after step after step, trying to walk in step with the Spirit. And at the the last service, there were so many people here that we had to have an overflow out in the lobby, right? This is how it works when you walk in step with the Spirit. And so it is in your life. I just feel this so strongly right now. God wants to, to restore from a place of security, not scarcity, to restore a mindset where you go, no, I am loving, I am full of joy, I am at peace. This is who I am. And so like for the, the person in the room right now who feels like your love has grown cold, um, maybe it was, a. Uh, a relationship that didn't end well. Um, Maybe it was a divorce. Maybe it was just betrayal or gossip or, to the person who feels like they can't love anymore on their own, I'm here to remind you today, yeah, but you're not on your own. That Jesus says, I am always with you. So you're never alone. And so your goal today is to stop trying really hard to love people well and start surrendering to a God who says, hey, you put your faith in me, let the Spirit of God work through you, and then love will start to overflow through your life. Should you guys stand up to, to your feet with me? To the person who feels like they haven't experienced joy in years. Hey, maybe you used to laugh really hard back in the day and you haven't laughed that way in quite some time, I'm here to remind you that joy is the fruit of the Spirit of God. That that God can and will restore that joy back to you. But but, but the job is not for you to try really hard to laugh again. The the, the role that we play is to come before Jesus and say, Jesus, you are the King of Kings. You are the Lord of Lords. Spirit, would you begin to work in my life? and to the one who feels like they haven't been at peace in years. I keep having conversations in the lobby today, man. People saying, I just overthink, I just overthink, I overthink, I overthink, I overthink. Come on, and and when it comes to relationships, it's even worse, right? Hey, I wanna remind you right now that peace is the fruit of the Spirit. And, And so peace isn't another person that you have to find in your life. Peace is a posture. Where, where you go, no, Spirit, I just want to surrender my life to you and let you work through me. And so would you all just hold out your hands like this, just in a sign of, of I'm here to receive. Spirit of God, right now we ask in the name of Jesus that you would move. Spirit to the one who is overthinking everything right now, silence the thoughts. Spirit, move in and remind them that they are a son, that they are a daughter, that you love them, that you have a plan and a purpose for your life. To the one who feels like love has grown cold, I pray that you would remind them just what love feels like in this moment and that your love would begin to overflow so much in their life that they carry it out to the city and to this world and continue telling people about you. So Spirit of God, we ask that you would do what only you would do. Would you fill our minds and our hearts and our souls with your love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and goodness in Jesus' name.